Tonight, preaching on the subject of hanging in there. Hanging in there. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. And really and truly, if you look at that, uh, some have preached it. Well, does that refer to that Jesus went and preached to dead people? But th- the context here is about suffering and giving an account of yourself. So it just means those that are now dead. So those that have heard the gospel but now are dead. That they might be judged according to the men uh, in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. The gospel basically is this. It was preached... Uh, to those that had lived, they were an example. Imagine this, that uh, the apostle uh, Peter was thinking back, you know, as he was jotting all this down, he's an older man whenever he's doing this. And he's thinking about all the times that, uh, you know, I know so-and-so, and they were a great servant of the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord, they served the Lord, but now they're, they're dead. They've gone on. Do you? Can Sir? Oh, it's not on? There we go. Can you think of uh, people now, even right now, that are buried over here at Promised Land Cemetery or somewhere else, maybe friends of yours, family members that serve the Lord with all their their ability and that they're dead now. But they were an example for us. So the gospel was preached unto them. But we have to, they have to give an account of how they live for the Lord. And according to this right here, we also, it says that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. In other words, they're going to be judged just like us. What have you done for the Lord while you are living? And then it goes on to say, so, you know, and if you think about this, uh, Paul just flip I mean just a couple of pages back in your Bible to Hebrews chapter nine in the famous verse verse twenty seven. Hebrews nine twenty seven, many many of you know this. It says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So folks, you say, you know, remember me mentioning that scripture this morning. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. And we think, well, how am I supposed to act around people that are unkind? How am I, you know, God, why, you know, like we use Joel as an example, or I did this morning. I said, he's serving the Lord. He's a missionary. Why does he get cancer? I mean, think about it there. He's doing apparently everything right. But folks, there's been many people in the Bible who did everything right. But still, God took them, or God let them get sick, or God let something bad. The Bible says that. It says, and bad things happen to good people. Bad, think about that. Bad things happen to good people. Or you might even reverse it. Good things happen to bad people. That just doesn't seem right. That's why Jesus said, don't try to figure it out. You just return a good for evil when somebody's unkind to you when somebody says mean things about us we're supposed to return good things for that uh, so it says the order is this we're not judged while we're here you say well uh god will get them well he he might or he might not god says according to this verse right here we're judged when after we die that's when we're judged and as it is appointed unto man, wants to die, and what? And after this, the judgment. So, 
you know, God's not out to get anybody. Sometimes he allows bad things to happen to good people and vice versa. So he's not going to judge. He does. And he does uh, allow cause and consequences, sowing and reaping to occur. Back to our text, 1 Peter chapter 4. And then he goes on to say so about that living in judgment thing. But then in verse 7, 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. And just looking at this, I I simply have this thought for verse 7 and 8. And that is having a right heart and a right attitude. Okay, so I'm supposed to live with for the Lord with everything I've got tonight. From here on out, I don't care if you're 3 or 83. I'm supposed to live for the Lord with everything I've got, with a right heart and a right attitude. Okay? You know, I just want to throw in here... Uh, this right here, but the end of all things is at hand. This is a phrase that's kind of uh, looking back to Jesus returning. Back up just a couple of pages in James chapter 5. Yep, that's about seven pages in my Bible. James 5, 8 says this. James 5, 8 says, Be you also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So, remember that phrase that I've often quoted from uh, Brother Cloy Chapman? Some of you knew him. Some of you are too young to know him. Some of you never were around him. But he said this, uh, are we going, you know, I'd rather go the cloud way than the clod way. Okay. In other words, I'd rather be alive when the cloud way, when Jesus comes, everybody's looked for Jesus to come, than the clod way. What is the clod way? Die and then you get buried, okay? But the Bible says that, you know, even if you're dead, the Bible says one day you're going to be resurrected. That body will be. You're going to get a new body. So that's why Peter says back in our text, all right, I'm serving the Lord with everything I've got. What is my point on verse 7 and 8? I'm, but the end of all things is at hand. In other words, pretend Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Man, I need to live for the Lord. I need to have, I can't mess around. I need to take serving the Lord serious. I need to do better. I'm messing around. I got my focus off. Sometimes, hey, if you'll be honest with yourself, you can get your focus off the Lord. You can get it, your focus on inward focus rather than outward focus. Look, look what it says. So, but the end is of all things is at hand. Verse seven, I'm in first Peter four, seven, but be ye therefore sober. And all that simply means is, is I need to pay attention. I need to be alert. I need to, to do exactly. I need to be thinking about, okay, what does he want me to do? I really need to think about this. And then he says, and watch unto prayer. So I need to be paying attention so I can pray. So is my focus right? Is my attitude right? Is my heart right? Why do you want to serve the Lord? When you came to church tonight, you might have come tonight just saying, well... 
I'm just trying to keep people happy because I need to serve. Or, you know, it's Sunday. That's what we're supposed to do is go to church. But think about it. You came to church tonight to hear a message from God's holy word. What can you take from it tonight and say, you know what? I need to do this because Jesus said it. And that's what I preached this morning. Why should you be nice to unlovable people? The whole message this morning was how to love unlovable people. How to love unkind people. How to love uh, people that, that you don't want to love. That's what Jesus was saying. Then it goes on to say, so I need to have the right heart, need to have the right attitude. Verse 8, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, so my focus is right, my attitude's right, my heart's right, so I need to get it in gear, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent. The word fervent, and it says charity, if you have a King James Bible, it just means love, so it just means deep love. Fervent means deep. Anchored deep, fervent love. Notice it doesn't say to outward people, but among yourselves. For charity covereth, shall cover the multitude of sins. So I need to be sober, prayerful, alert, and I need to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to check my heart, check my attitude. And basically this, the way you can check your heart or your attitude is this. You have to ask yourself a question. Am I, do I want to help people or do I want to hinder people? Do, do I want to love people in this church or do I want to loathe people in this church? The word loathe just means to have a strong dislike for So do I want to love people or do I want to loathe people? Do I want to hinder people or do I want to help people? You know, so that's the way you check it. And then it says very end. This is pretty neat in verse eight. For charity or love shall what? Shall cover the multitude of sins. Well, that just kind of, you know, there's no way I could have planned this. Any better, just going through these passages, how God timed this out. Because when you say that love covers a multitude of sins, what are you saying? If you love people, you're willing to put the past in the past. You're willing to look forward. And a lot of times, listen to me very carefully, a lot of times whenever everybody around you is having revival and you're not, is because you're focused on you. And not on others. You're focused on your own desires. And not what Jesus desires. Well I wonder what Jesus would want me to do. Well I don't care. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to motivate myself. To to react and respond the way I think. I'm not getting my way. It's all about me. It's what I think. I'm the most important person in this church. And, you know, and things aren't happening according to my will. What about things happening according to God's will? Charity, love, shall cover a multitude of sins. And which means this. It says, you know what? I, I, I may not have agreed with the statement you made, but I love you, brother. 
I may not agree with the actions that you had in your life, but I love you, brother. I love you, sister. You see what I mean? When that's, that's looking at things from a whole different perspective, isn't it? Have you ever thought about a lot of times we don't have revival because our perspective, in other words, the angle that we're looking at something is wrong. And then you walk over here and you look at something from a whole different angle and it's, it looks entire. I never saw it from that, that angle. You know, I never saw it from that side. And a lot of times, but we won't, we won't change our angle the way we look at something in our hearts. And it all comes down. I mean, this passage here is amazing. So, all right. So, okay. Brother Michael, you've gone through, uh, Six through eight here, you've covered these three verses, and I, and maybe I do need to change my focus. Maybe I do need to change my attitude. Maybe I do need to change the way I'm viewing stuff. Maybe I do need to start being a more loving person. Maybe I do need to, uh, man, I haven't really had revival in my heart, or something's wrong, or something's hindering me, something's not right tonight, Brother Michael. But I need to change, and you know what? By faith in Jesus, I'm going to make that change tonight. By faith in Him, I'm going to change my outlook tonight. Well, we'd have revival right there if we do that. If we just stopped right there and I didn't preach another lick, we'd ha- we could have revival right there. But guess what? You say, I, I ha- Brother Michael, I choose to love people. And it doesn't matter what they... Uh, how old they are, what they look like, who they are. It doesn't matter if I like them or don't like them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. What's the next step, Brother Michael? Well, it's not Brother Michael's opinion, is it? What's the next step by reading the next verse? This is the cool part. Just look at the next verse. Okay. Verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Well, I love, and I've shared this before, but I love it. (laughs) You remember what the country boy definition of hospitality is? Y'all remember? (laughs) Making people feel at home when you really wish they were. (laughs) That's the country definition of hospitality. But, uh, so, yeah, making you feel at home when, oh, I wish they would. (laughs) I love what somebody else said one time, says, well, what? If somebody stays at your house too long, we say, well, we need to go to bed so these people can go home. <laughs> you know, I love that. And uh, so, but that, the, the word hospitality is in here. And folks, the word hospitality just means this. I'm a friendly person. I'm a kind person. I'm a compassionate person. Y'all get that? That's not that deep. I'm a friendly person, I'm a kind person, I'm a compassionate person. Listen to me very closely. What, how does this verse end? How does it end? Can I be friendly, kind? Wait a second. I'm only being friendly, kind, and compassionate because I want you to do it for me. No, 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 no. It says without grudging. I need to be friendly, kind, and compassionate means expecting nothing in return. Without grudging. I tell you what, I'm keeping a tab. <laughs> and I know how many pies I've taken over to your home. <laughs> I know how many uh, things I've done for you, but folks, 
people that are doing this verse don't keep tabs. And the Bible says love. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter? If you haven't read it in a while, read it tonight before you go to bed. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, 1 Corinthians 13, it'll take you less than 75 seconds. It's that short, not very long. Just read it, and guess what? It says love, love, love does not keep count. Love does not keep score. I like, you know, you can say it every how you want to. Hey, hey. Karen, I took the trash out four times last week. You know, you know if, I, if I literally said that to Karen, I know what she'd say. I washed 500 loads of clothes. Michael, who's keeping count now? Because <laughs> I know how much clothes she washes. So I don't need to even be trying to go there with her. So guess what? It's not 50-50. We can't divide the chores up because she would blow me away every time. But guess what? It's about teamwork. And, and guess what? What it says, it's, it's not about if this silly illustration, me and Karen doing laundry and dishes. You know what it means? Love does not, what? Keep score. And you say, well, I'd, I'd love to help somebody in the church or do for somebody in the church, but... but uh, I know I've kept score. I know what they did five years ago in their life. I know what they did three years ago in their life. You know what that is? That's just keeping score whenever we refuse to be Christ-like to somebody. It says what? Not grudgingly. Without grudging. And then it says, verse 10, we're doing great. We're about to wrap it up. So, okay. Use hospitality, verse 9, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister. And again, looking at our King James Bible, the word minister is a neat word. It's a cool word. It just means, can you be a servant to somebody else? Can I serve somebody? Even so serve the same one to another. Serve with how? It's referring back to verses 8 and 9 together. I'm supposed to be a servant to you. As every man hath received the gift. You know what? What is the gift? You know what? You could say this. As, and then it says I'm supposed to serve as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Let's break this on down the way we talk here. Has God blessed you? Can you be a blessing to somebody else? You know what? I, I can cook, and God's blessed me with, with I, can, I can take dishes over to people's homes. I can mow a yard. I can fix somebody's leaky faucet. I can do something for somebody that needs help. And if you are constantly looking with eyes of service in our church and around our community, you can be a blessing to somebody else. It says if God has gifted you, and then it says God gives you a talent, it may be turning a wrench, it may be cooking, it may be giving somebody a phone call at the right particular time. Do you have the gift of encouragement tonight? You say, you know what, I can encourage people. I can, folks, there's a great encouragement right here can you just love somebody can you just love somebody tonight 
I don't, you say, well, I don't have any talents. I can't turn a wrench. I can't fix stuff. I can't cook very well. But you can offer a word of encouragement to somebody. If you have, and you say, God, I don't know what to, how to serve other people. So God's saying, I've given you something. And it says every gift that he gives you, you use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, which means, you know what? God did this for me. I better serve others with it. God's blessed me. I need to serve others. You want a great example of this? Turn, if you will, to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. This is the parable of the talents, is what it's called. The parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse 14. We're going to start there. Now. Okay, here we go. Let's make this as real as possible. It's kind of neat in this story that we have the word talents. It means like you think a singing talents or you think of a, like I have a talent for cooking. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to use a synonym. We're going to use a synonym and we're going to read this and I'm going to change one word. And this is what it's going to work for you. I want us, as we read this story of the parable of the talents, I want us to change the word talent to opportunities. If you're saved and you're a member of this church, let me ask you this. You can nod your head. Let me ask you this. Anybody in this room, anybody in this room, has God ever given you an opportunity? It, I think most of us of any age would have to say yes to that statement. Okay, y'all ready to read? Let's read it. It's going to hit home. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto the one he gave five opportunities, and to another two, and to another one. And to every man according to his several ability, in other words, your unique opportunity. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five opportunities went and traded them with the same. In other words, he took his opportunities and he made more opportunities. Get it? Because folks, when you use what God gives you, God will bless you with another opportunity. All right? And likewise, that had received two, I'm in verse 17, he also gained other two. And he that had received one went and digged in the earth and, and hid his Lord's money or opportunity. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five opportunities came and brought other five opportunities. Imagine that. What if your opportunities were Bringing people to church. He not only had five opportunities, he went and found five other people. (laughs) And then it says, Thou deliverest unto me five opportunities. Behold, I have gained beside them five more opportunities. Verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two opportunities came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two opportunities. Behold, I've gained two other opportunities besides them. 
And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful, uh, thou hast been good and faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou in the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one opportunity came and said, I knew that thou wast a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I took and hid that opportunity in the earth. And lo, here it was that thou hast as thine. I just imagine, you know, what if God gave me one opportunity to... uh, And it could be write a letter... Nowadays, it's using something like this, a cell phone. I have one opportunity to send an encouraging text. Or I have one opportunity to call somebody and encourage them. I have one opportunity to say, I missed you at church. I have one opportunity to show kindness, compassion, and love And this fellow took that opportunity and he... Have you ever heard the phrase, out of sight, out of mind? And I forgot I had that. That's over... You know, I don't know if any of you have a barn or a storage shed and you go in through it. I forgot all about that. I forgot that was even there. And you know what? A lot of people treat their service to the Lord. I forgot how good God was or... Man, listen to me very closely. And I've talked to people that have done this. They they drift away from God. And you know what? Hey, listen, many of you have heard this. And they'll say this to me. They'll say, Brother Michael, I, I wasted a lot of opportunity. You know what I mean? Folks, this preacher has too. I don't care if you serve here every time the doors are open. You can waste opportunities you can hide it you can you can you can you know why we put it back because we're more interested in doing what we want to do than what he asked us to do did he ask that guy to hide it what are we going to do with our opportunities can you tell the lord tonight I, i want another opportunity would he be willing to give you one as we prepare for a hymn of invitation you can have an opportunity tonight just say you know what i want another opportunity to love people i want another opportunity to to do good i want another opportunity to be kind i want another opportunity to have revival in our church. Whatever God may be laying on your heart tonight, tell the Lord tonight that you want another opportunity.